Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Catherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, helping you secure your worth and protect your wealth in divorce. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Paula Nangle, Wealth Advisor, Certified Financial Planner, Professional, and the president of Marshall Financial Group located in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Paula. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be here with you. We're really excited about our topic today. Today, our episode, we're going to discuss you and your credit score after divorce. Seven very important things to know. But first, let's meet Paula. Paula, tell us a little bit about your background and the focus of your company. So as you as you mentioned, so I'm with Marshall Financial. We are a personalized wealth management firm in Doylestown. We've been here for over 40 years. We work with a diverse set of clientele, helping them. Our ultimate goal is to help our clients live their happiest, healthiest, most productive lives. And so that what helps them do that is having a complete total wealth management plan. So we look at every aspect of an individual's life and help them plan and prepare for that. So it's, it's way more than just the investments. It's what your goals are, what you hope to accomplish, what your fears are. You know, we, we pull it all together. We're your thinking partner, help you make a good objective decision to lead your best, best life possible. I like that. Your thinking partner. That's, That's pretty good. Yeah. Everybody needs that. <laughs> Especially <laughs> after a divorce, when you're sitting there, I always envision a person there with a box and all their stuff. Now, what do I do? <laughs> and uh, companies like yours are so important to help people kind of deconstruct it all and figure out how to move ahead confidently. So that's pretty wonderful. I think, that you I think I'm that. your thinking, your thinking um, partner here. Karen's really good for calling on our 8 a.m. We have an 8 a.m. call every morning and she's like, okay, I have a lot to tell you about. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have notepads from what I have to do every day, which is why I'm tired at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And that's such a great analogy because I have all of this information. I, I never know how to deconstruct it and move it forward. I just, I'm just dumping it. So that's a yeah. very good analogy. Yeah. I think, you know, just helping people get organized, first of all, figure out where they are, what they've got. So it's, you know, getting organized. And then also, you know, I think the other big piece of that, not only the thinking partner in the organization, but the accountability partner, I'm sure you do that for each other. You know, you said you were going to do this by a certain date and there's all, we all have those things that we don't really want to do. Like who really wants to create a new estate plan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Karen's too. definitely my accountability coach. <laughs> I would be taking some more time off, but Karen makes me stay at work. <laughs> and, and to that point, that is the beauty of the transition of our clients at My Divorce Solution to our financial planners, Marshall Finance being one of them. You know, the work we do with our clients to help them be organized, 
have their information and their supporting documentation so that when they're going to their professionals, either during or after divorce, they may not feel organized because they don't, they may not know what it means to them moving forward, but they certainly know that they have all of the information and documents needed and they have the questions to ask and they feel confident about that. They feel mm-hmm. confident about what they received during their divorce and now they just need that help moving forward. So we love companies like yours to work with so that it's a seamless transition moving forward. That is such a great service to provide because it, it is overwhelming, you know, going through any kind of transition like that. And then to go see a financial professional, it's, you know, you're already vulnerable enough. And I think sitting down and talking to someone about your life and money is probably worse than taking all your clothes off at the doctor's office. I don't know. (laughs) Well, they're embarrassed, right? They either don't have good stories about that. Don't have good relationships with money. And then they're embarrassed. They wish they could have done something differently or they're just embarrassed because they're not in the know. But as Karen pointed out, one of our reports is our table of considerations. And so we will say who can help like your financial planner, but then they feel really confident because there's questions that they can ask based Mm -hmm. upon their estate. And it makes your job easier because you know where they're coming from. Absolutely. It's awesome to have a partnership like that. Yeah. Today, we are talking with Paula about financial wellness during and after divorce. The big, big, scary word, credit, credit score. Paula and I were talking yesterday, and that's a very big component of a lot of divorces, the destruction of their credit score and their uh, credit healthiness. So Paula, let's talk today about some top tips that people can focus on during and after their divorce to either maintain their credit or restore it. Yeah. I mean, as we were chatting yesterday, it's one of those things that you don't think about all that much until you really need it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, what, you know, what's up with my credit score? So I think the first thing is, you know, know what your credit score is. You know, your credit has you know, consider it like your, your financial reputation, you're going to be judged on it. It's going to dictate to lenders what they're going to charge you for loaning you money, whether it's for maybe you have to buy a new house or a new car, you know, it even can impact your homeowner's insurance rates. So if you, if you're a bad credit risk, it's going to, it's going to impact you in so many other ways. So it's really important to know what your what your credit is. I think the best place to start is go to annualcreditreport.com. You can get free your credit report from the three credit reporting agencies, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. So one tip on that, if you if you type in like Google search annual credit report, you'll see all these things that say free credit report. Well, if it says free in the name, it's probably not free. So the, the website is annualcreditreport.com because a lot of the other ones will hook you into, oh, let's sign up for this for one month free, and then we're going to start to charge you for monitoring your credit. So this the annual credit report is actually free, and you can get one report from each of the agencies every year. I like to recommend spreading them out, like maybe get one or two up front, and then maybe get another one six months later, just spread them out throughout the year, maybe put a little tickler on your calendar. It's really important to stay on top of your credit, especially with all the identity theft um, that's out there right now. Good point. Are you able to get one for your spouse or do they have to get it for themselves if you're still married, living together? I think you could 
I think legitimately you probably each spouse needs to get their own credit report, but I don't know. I probably signed on to things using my spouse's credentials. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that. But. <laughs> I'm sure he was right there in the room. He with was you. right in the room with me <laughs> yes. looking at it. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my and, but, and, and t- can you please explain the difference between, okay, your bank will give you your credit score or you could go get your credit report? Because I think a lot of listeners get confused. What's the difference between the credit score that you can get free from your bank a lot of times or ordering your credit report as your suggestion? Yeah. So that's a uh, great point. So your credit score, that's the FICO that they call call it is the, I think it's the Fair Isaac Corporation, little acronym they call about your credit score. And so that that basically takes into, there's like five components that make up your credit score. And each of the reporting agencies may have slightly different numbers. I've seen that with, in my own situation where I get a credit score on one of my credit card bills, and then I've seen it you know, somewhere else. And it's not always, it's not always the same number, but that score is made up. It's based on, as I said, five different components. So one, the biggest thing is about 35% of that is based on your payment history. That's assuming that you have credit to begin with. Like if you've never had a mortgage or a car loan or a credit card, you may not have a credit score. But if you do, if you do use credit, about 35% of that is your payment history. Another 30% of that is the amount that you use of your credit. So say you have a credit card that's got a $5,000 limit on it, and every month you max that credit card out, that's like a high credit utilization if that's your total amount of credit that you have available. The amount you owe and how much you use of your credit, so those factor in. Another big thing is the length of your credit history and the frequency of using different cards. I've been on the planet for decades. So I've got a pretty long <laughs> credit history. <laughs> um, we're not going to mention how many decades, <laughs> but you look, I, I work with some clients who, you know, they're, we actually recommend to our clients that when their kids are going off to college, get them a credit card and have them start using it to teach them responsible use of credit so that when they graduate, they've actually got a credit score, which will help them rent an apartment, you know, just help them, you know, say, help them get, get started. Because in my experience, I've found that if they don't start building that, it's harder to get a credit card when you are not a student than it is when you are a student. It seems crazy, but it's true. I think the credit companies assume that the parents are going to bail them out if they get into trouble. So they figure they're a good, a good credit risk. So that's a little bit of a side note there, but it's a good, it's a really good tip if you have, you know, kids that are getting to that age where they should moving out on their own. So again, the length of that credit history is part of that, it's about 15%. Um, another 10% is the type of credit you have. So there, you know, you might have an installment loan, a thing like a mortgage, you know, a car payment, and then there's revolving credit, like my Nordstrom's card that I tend to use because I get those points, <laughs> my travel cards, so I get those points. So it's the, the mix of the type of credit you use. And then also, if you open up new credit cards or apply for a lot of new credit at the same time, that can have an impact on your credit score as well. So it's, it's not any one thing. It's all of those things put together that you know make up that credit score. 
That's where people get tripped up in divorce when they have been cut off from a cash flow. They're only able to make their minimum payments. They need new credit cards, knowing when to close out other credit cards and how that affects your score to that point. I think that is why people's credit score gets hit during a divorce and the rehabilitation of that, to your point in this podcast is so important. Yeah, so you wanna be like the, the mama bear protecting your cubs when it comes to your, your credit. You know, things that you can do you know, obviously, if you're you know going through that divorce, you want to get rid of any credit cards that are jointly jointly held. Make sure you know what what your name is on and what you're you're liable. I've had situations where this is not a, a divorcing couple, but you know, a parent, you know, thinking they're helping their kid co-signed on a a mortgage, and the son got into an accident, wasn't able to work, wasn't able to make his car payments, and so it impacted the cosigner's credit. So know know what you're you know don't sign for your kids' stuff unless you know they're going to pay pay and they're not going to pay. Let you let you know like you think you're doing a good thing, but you're really might be hurting yourself trying to help somebody. So you know really try to avoid any kind of missed payments. One thing I like to do is set up auto pay for the credit cards that I use on a regular basis. I hardly ever pay cash for anything. I just because I like to, you know, it's like one place to look for all of my expenses. But sometimes, you know, you, you get busy doing things and, you know, you forget to pay. But if you at least pay, have the minimum, you know, paid, you'll avoid that, you know, that $25, $30 charge that's like pouring salt in a wound. <laughs> that's what I do. I have mine set up for auto pay for the minimum just to make sure I don't forget. So that is a good, that's a good reminder. And I didn't even think of that till probably two years ago. <laughs> So yeah, I like that idea. So what's another tip you have for our listeners, Paula, to really maintain or protect like a mama bear, which I love, that pre- that credit score, even when you don't have the, you know, cash flow coming in or the ability to do what you would, to protect it the way you would if you had the cash flow that you were accustomed to during your lifestyle. Yeah, so I think, you know, try to, you know, minimize your use of credit if you, if you possibly can. The other thing, this goes back to the identity theft, is we, we typically recommend our clients put a credit freeze on their account. So no new cards can be open, no new accounts can be opened, which is a little bit inconvenient when you do want to use credit because you have to go and have them lift the freeze. But it does provide you a lot of protection in terms of you know, unauthorized use of your credit, whether it's from a, you know, an unfriendly divorce or, you know, something more fraudulent than that, you know, in terms of identity theft. If you're, if you're in, in a pinch, you could call the credit card company and see if you could work out some kind of negotiate, some kind of deal, but just don't, you know, put your head in the sand and ignore, ignore things. Going back to that credit report, getting that credit report. So the credit report actually lists all of your credit items on there. It'll have every credit card you own. It'll have your mortgage. It'll have things you don't even remember that you had on there. <laughs> but you go through that and make sure that it's that's all legitimate information. And if there's any errors, get that cleaned up. And that will, that will help your credit moving forward. If a creditor is looking to, you know, open lend you money in the future, you can say, you know, that you've cleared up those items. You know, when I was 
in my early years, my, my father's name was very similar to my name. And so we had the same address, you know, because I was lived at home at the time. And so I had all these things on my credit report that totally were not mine. And then, you know, just even separating that stuff out was, is important. Oh, we can't tell you how many times people come and get their financial portrait done. And um, when they do their credit report, they'll find that their spouse opened these cards or these accounts at different places and they were never aware of it. Yeah, that's a problem. But like for the first thing is become aware of it, figure out, figure out what you got on your plate there and what, what you have to, what you have to deal with. Do you know how long it takes to rebuild your credit? We have that. That's a big question. We get a lot, you know, they, our credit's been ruined. We're going through this divorce and now it's worse. And, you know, maybe they had their head in the sand, maybe not. Maybe it was their spouse, maybe not. How do they get out of that? How long does it take to even raise your credit score? So that's probably a little beyond my expertise. I know like in a bankruptcy situation, that's that's seven years, I think, typically before you get hit the reset button on that. I would say it can be probably years. But I think the, the thing is like just can start on a momentum of doing the right things, you know, try to reduce the amount of credit that you're utilizing, pay those bills on time, don't open new credit cards, you know, you get lured into the, like, would you like 10% off your, your purchase today? Open up this TJ Maxx card. It's, it's easy to fall into that trap. And I guess the other thing, you know, if you're, as you're going through a divorce and if you're changing your name, make sure that you let your credit card company and everyone else that's lending you money know that you are operating under a new name. That's a, a huge undertaking, changing your name. Oh my gosh. Don't I know it. As a matter of fact, I probably have to contact a few people myself. <laughs> uh, it's a pain in the neck to change your name. <laughs> Don't change your name before your assets are transferred. <laughs> there you go. That's a big uh, thing. So if I'm getting divorced and um, I have $20,000 in a bank account and I have $10,000 in debt, do you recommend that I take 10000 of that to pay off the credit card or is it better to invest it and pay it off on a regular basis over a little bit of time? Oh, that goes, you know, that really depends on your, your personal situation. Paying off credit card debt is always a good thing. But if you, you know, depending on the, the rate on the credit card and what other resources you had, if all of you had was $20,000 and $10,000 in debt, I think it's like, you got to sit down and figure out like, how are you going to get yourself out of debt, but also make sure you, you know, have a roof over your head and you can eat and, you know, take care of the other necessities. So it's, it's more complex than, you know, and you wouldn't invest money unless you had like a, an emergency fund built up and you could cover your expenses for, you know, in a case of an emergency. Investing is a long-term commitment. You know, anything less than three years, that's, that's money that should be in, in savings. You know, if you want to, you're saving for a house or car purchase or some, you know, college or whatever, investing is a long, is a long, long-term game. So is that uh, (laughs) another journey that you go on? So is that where you become um, your client's think partner? So you will actually sit down and make a plan with them? Exactly. Yeah. So when I, when I'm working with a new client, typically the first, you know, once they decide they want to become a client, you know, the typically the first meeting will be around their values and goals. So it's like, if you're in if you are clear on what your values are, 
it helps you create a framework for making decisions is like, is this decision in alignment with my values? Like I say, my, my family is my priority, my health, giving back to the community, adventure, whatever, whatever is important to you. And, you know, are you spending and planning lifestyle in alignment with your values as opposed to like trying to, you know, look at that person over there. I should be doing that because that's what they're doing. No, it's like, do what's, do what's going to make you happy, make you have your best life. So that's the first part. And mean, meanwhile, we're, you know, gathering all of the information about what they, you know, their assets and liabilities and, you know, legal agreements that they have, whether they have a business or a divorce or whatever, gathering all the information. And then the next meeting would be around um, your money history and your relationship with money. We all have our money stories that we have learned through our lives. Some serve us well, some not so well. So, you know, just like creating that awareness can help you recognize like, oh, I learned that from my grandmother. That was really awesome advice. Or maybe it wasn't, but, you know, just creating that awareness of what those money scripts are like you know, money's the source of all evil, or, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the more common one. I mean, some people are hoarders. They just, you know, they don't want to spend money on anything because they think just having more money, but like money's, money's really, it's like the grease. It makes everything work easier. You know, like life is so much easier when you have money and you're using it the right way. It's just, you know, it's, the grease that keeps the wheel moving smoothly as opposed to the, you know, like dunk, 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 dunk down the road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so true. You know, your approach is helping them essentially become the CFO of their new life. It's helping them transition out of a, a joint relationship into a relationship with themselves and their own money relationship. I love that. So for those people who have debt issues and are buried in credit card debt and their credit score is, is you know, working against them, what resources do you have for your clients and others who are in this situation? Yeah, so one resource um, that I think is a good starting place is the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. That's not something that we, we typically do. I mean, we, we're usually working with clients who have, you know, accumulated assets throughout their lives and, you know, have some complexity. Debt is very complex. It's not, you know, an area that we specialize in. So if someone came to me with a lot of debt, I would say, you know, get that cleared up. <laughs> And then, you know, that's like, take care of that first. So finding someone to do that'll help you with that credit counseling, coming up with a plan for eliminating that debt would be the first place to start. Another great resource is the Foundation for Financial Planning. So it's a nonprofit organization that has a lot of consumer resources that they've actually they, they gathered, you know, have curated from a lot of different sources, but it's a great resource for anyone who maybe can't afford the luxury of a, a financial advisors because you know we get paid for what we do but not everyone it's a bit of a luxury uh, I think it's a necessity but <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of different options out there as well some you know we provide a very high level of personalized service but there's a lot of options where it's a little more do-it-yourself that you know can be helpful too but a good you know, one is just being educated, get yourself educated. If, if you have holes in your financial education, you know, so again, that foundation for financial planning is a great resource. They have all kinds of 
coursework and tools and different research. There's a whole thing on credit. So anything I didn't answer on credit, you can go there too. <laughs> and that resource was called what? The Foundation for Financial Planning. That's awesome. They Thank do a lot so of pro bono work as well mm -hmm. for, you know, like families who are dealing with cancer or military families. So it's another great resource for someone who needs help and, and can't really can't afford to pay, pay for it. Mm -hmm. Love that. Well, Paula, thank you so much for these tips and hacks to address your credit score after divorce. So this concludes our episode on you and your credit score after divorce, seven important things to know. Paula, thank you so much for a great conversation. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Catherine. It's been my pleasure to be here with you today. Ours as well. Thank you. Are you ready for self-redesign as you turn the page on your divorce? If so, we'd love for you to join us at our next Mrs. To Me Summit this March for connection, self-realization, and inspiration on your divorce journey. Our weekend Mrs. To Me Summit harnesses the collective wisdom, experience, and energy of divorce experts, giving you the confidence and tools you need to create your best life post-divorce. In addition to our panel of 13 divorce experts, the weekend includes beach walks, connection with other women on the same journey, and lunch by the pool. Tickets are selling out, and we don't want you to miss this weekend of community and self-growth. Head to our website, MyDivorceSolution.com, for Mrs. To Me information and tickets. We hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to MyDivorceSolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.